Is industrialization the solution to Africa upping the ante when it comes to cashing in on the global growth momentum that's starting to kick in? And how does it achieve that while simultaneously catering to inclusive economic development? We find out this week on Africa Inc. The fourth industrial revolution, the digital revolution, is evolving at an exponential rather than a linear pace and acting as a disruptor in almost every industry in every country, transforming systems of production, management and governance. According to the World Economic Forum, the rise of the fourth industrial revolution is adding intricacy to future economies and their employment outcomes with the ability to drive Africa forward as it enables innovation, propels new business models and and improves the delivery of public services. But there are still question marks around whether Africa can leverage off the opportunity and industrialize. And if it is the imperative rather than a choice, what needs to be considered when it comes to industrialization of African economies so that it works to build the continent's competitive advantage and stimulate growth? Joining me in studio today to explore the scenario, Martin Davies, Managing Director of Emerging Markets and Africa at Deloitte. Philippa Rotseth, who's the Executive Director at the Manufacturing Circle. Jim Dando, who's Director of Operations and Sales at Nissan South Africa and Yvonne Mungo of Renaissance Capital. She's head of research in sub-Saharan Africa on that end. But first, I'm going to hand over to Bronwyn to provide a bit of context around industrialization. What are we looking at and where are things at when it comes to industrialization on the continent itself? Bronwyn. Thanks, Alicia. Well, the need for Africa to industrialize has never been stronger than it is now, particularly as we march towards the fourth industrial revolution. The process promises prosperity, new jobs and better income. But the continent has failed to move the needle on this important development marker. If you look at the manufacturing sector's contribution to gross domestic product, it has declined from 12% in 1980 to 11% in 2013. That's according to the UN Economic Commission for Africa. A worrying picture is also drawn when you look at the continent's manufacturing output. The Economist Intelligence Unit reckons that in the 1970s this accounted for 3%, but this percentage has since halved. So what went wrong? Some analysts believe that the windfall from countries from China is insatiable appetite for natural resources, which fueled growth in the 1990s, was misspent. Instead of directing these funds into stimulating manufacturing industries, countries such as Ghana and Zambia used the profits to solve short-term domestic problems, such as increasing salaries for civil servants. But no matter what happened, the continent now needs to plot a way forward. Strong leadership and supportive policies can aid the process. Ethiopia, for example, has managed to boost its manufacturing sector in recent years. Since 2006, it has expanded by an annual average of more than 10%. It did start from a low base, but its success was down to the country encouraging foreign investors. It approached China's textile and leather firms, Turkey's garment firms, and it plans to approach German and Swiss pharmaceuticals to make investments in the country's manufacturing sector. The path to industrialization holds many challenges and opportunities. And Alicia, you'll be chatting to your panel of guests for more detail on this, so I'll hand it back to you. 
Thanks for that, Bronwyn. After the break, our panel of experts will be getting into the nitty-gritty of what Bronwyn has outlined, so stay tuned. Okay, so we're all aware that industrialization is key to Africa gaining competitive muscle and improving its growth prospects. And over the next 20 minutes, we're going to take a closer look at how the continent can get this right. Martin Davies, who's the Managing Director of Emerging Markets and Africa at Deloitte, Philippa Rotseth, MD of the Manufacturing Circle, Jim Dando, Director of Operations and Sales at Nissan South Africa, and Yvonne Mungo, who's Head of Sub-Saharan Africa Research at Renaissance Capital, all join me in studio with their perspective. So thanks so much uh, for joining me this evening, everybody. And Martin, let's start off with you. We talk about this fourth industrial revolution. To what extent in your books is Africa on the bandwagon and how is our pace of growth uh, with regards to industrialization comparing to other emerging markets mm. at this stage? It was quite ironic, you know, putting things in context, which we've had, uh, we talk about this industrial revolution 4.0, and of course Africa is an incredibly heterogeneous, fragmented place. South Africa is quite diversified and different compared to most other economies, so South Africa aside, um, it's odd that in recent years, think Africa rising narrative, but like we've had these very high quantitative headline growth figures, but haven't really industrialized. In many cases, as high growth figures have been commodity-driven and have actually resulted in deindustrialization. in many cases. Nigeria, Angola, uh, Exhibit A, I'm afraid. So we often think this is just a policy switch that, that one can sort of flick to move towards industrialization, but it clears a long-term generational play. The African industrialization story for me is predominantly right now and holding in on it is, is, a, is an Ethiopia story. Mm. We're seeing great success in Ethiopia in light industrial manufacturing, textile garments and the like. Of course, there's a lot of aspiration in countries like Nigeria, Ghana, uh, amongst a few others. But predominantly, Ethiopia is leading the charge and laying that, uh, should we say, a, a good foundation for long-term diversification, uh, industrialization of that economy. Okay, so Ethiopia, one of the standouts in this regard. Yvonne, or what are some of the unique factors that uh, is impeding the kind of traction Africa could be making right now? Um, I think infrastructure has been a big constraint. I think um, there hasn't been enough focus as well on um, the right policy, um, industrialization policy by uh, various countries. We've seen in recent years because of the crisis when the commodity prices collapsed, a lot of the oil exporters in particular talk about diversifying and moving into input substitution, in particular a growing a manufacturing sector. Um, but that's after the fact when, um, and simply because all um, revenues have dropped substantially. So I think the focus should be more on infrastructure, which we're seeing more of in, in East Africa, which is promising. The regional transportation networks that we're seeing come through there. Power, uh, Nigeria is probably the best example in terms of mm -hmm. the huge power deficit. You find that a lot, of, a lot of the existing manufacturers in Nigeria are having to produce their own power. You can imagine what that means for the cost of the final output. Um, so, And labor uh, also is, uh, I guess, an, an issue, the, the fact that it uh, remains unskilled. Um, Investing in education as well as healthcare, I think, would also support a move towards industrialization. Jim, 
as a manufacturer, what kind of progress is Nissan making in industrializing and how uh, rife is the risk of premature deindustrialization as you see it? Yeah, in Nissan, um, we're looking at various countries in Africa to be able to develop our industrialization strategy. And we've already moved in Nigeria, where we've got an assembly <coughs> plant there. Um, we're looking at um, other countries in Africa where there's a prospectus to be able to develop a, an industrial um, strategy for the future. We, m we see immediate opportunity probably in Kenya, and we see in a longer term in Ethiopia. Now, I'm very aware that um, the Ethiopian economy is improving quite rapidly. Um, but um, we're still under the impression that in Ethiopia it's going to take about three to four years um, before the motor industry <coughs> can actually start developing in, in Ethiopia. Okay, where that's the focus, that's the kind of context and some of the challenges that we face. Let's hone in on something that Yvonne has highlighted and that uh, with regards to policy. How much of the slow adoption rate that we're seeing on the continent right now as a result, uh, Philippa, as you see it, of uh, you know, governance, uh, policy frameworks, regulatory frameworks not being developed because for the most part we've got uh, current public policy and decision making evolving uh, alongside the second industrial revolution. Policy is critical in terms of facilitating and um, um, growing industrialization. And um, it's, it's quite complex industrial policy specifically in that a high um, level of integration is required in terms of what is the overall strategy, what are the overall regions, what are the uh, value chains that mm -hmm. are looking to be um, supported, mm -hmm. and how is that then implemented um, both from a policy making point of view in terms of different um, uh, departments um, as well as um, how the collaboration with private sector works to make sure that um, industrialization happens on a, on a commercially viable but also on a sustainable manner. Are you seeing evidence, Martin, of government agencies, governments <coughs> themselves collaborating uh, with business and civil society in order to actually get this right? We see in certain cases, I mean, uh, Ethiopia case in point, Kenya's trying, I think a lot more work to be done there. Probably the best case, and using a phrase we spoke about yesterday at the Deloitte conference, was political economy of growth. This mm -hmm. was state business relations, and, and, and typically relationship, typically the state often almost acts in a policy vacuum, really, without the, the, the at least the consultation, the very least, with buy-in support of business, which is quite bizarre. Uh, I'm seeing Rwanda being incredibly progressive. But again, how do you build industry in, in what is a very, in, 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 a, in a central African landlocked economy? And uh, Yvonne spoke about the, the infrastructure deficit, of course, and bad infrastructure is highly inflationary for manufacturing because it just, you know, obviously compounds logistics costs. Yeah. So, uh, again, so much more needs to be done. And we look at cases, for example, Mexico, certain areas in Mexico, look at Southeast Asian economies who are really starting to, to move needle in terms of policy and incentives and understanding that it's, it's a very, manufacturing is difficult. It's a very complex ecosystem, support ecosystems as required. Uh, in order to, to really create a sustainable long-term uh, manufacturing or industrial in a certain sector, industrialized economy. Jim, what are some of the challenges uh, you've faced in getting the ball rolling on this collaboration? Uh, and to what extent are you engaging with governments to establish new rules of engagement? Mm. So really clearly, to be able to develop industrialization, and particularly in Africa, um, we have to have an enabling environment. And uh, to be able to create that enabling environment, we have to put policy in place which supports um, the, the development of industrialization. This kind of policy 
um, needs to be there to be able to protect the, uh, the companies that want to industrialize in those countries so that we actually have a, a uh, price differential between fully imported uh, components or fully imported um, uh, commodities um, versus the locally built up commodity. That's the only way that you can be able to develop industrialization in, Afri in African countries. If you don't create that enabling environment, you'll continue to be a net importer mm -hmm. of foreign products. Mm -hmm. Did you so want to add just something? Just to add to that, the automotive sector, I mean, uh, like you mentioned Nigeria and Kenya in particular, Jim, is that uh, look at a country like Australia, New Zealand. Uh, they have literally now zero automotive manufacturing capacity. They made a decision. Zero import tariffs for you know imported vehicles to come in and lose local industry. I'm not uh, by no means this is an import substitution play, which I'm totally against. But to build certain industries, you mm. do have to have measures of protection. Mm. We cannot build an automotive sector in our continent with second or third hand cheap imports coming in from Singapore, Dubai, flooding markets. Yes, it may be consumer friendly, but it's not industrial friendly. We have to make that decision. Okay, let's hit pause on the conversation for now. We'll be picking things up straight after the break, so stay with us. Welcome back and still with us uh, this evening is Martin from Deloitte, Philippa from the Manufacturing Circle, Jim from Nissan, South Africa and Yvonne from Renaissance Capital. Philippa, let's pick up on the conversation with you because uh, while we're tackling challenges uh, simultaneously, we need to be seeing the cultivation of digital skills in order to support an industrialization uh, process here. So how much consideration is actually being paid to the development of these skills? It's absolutely critical that it's top of mind. Um, we know that manufacturing um, can relate, can, can result in a lot of job creation, but what we don't want is, as a result of technology, jobless growth. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do, particularly in Africa, is identify ways in which technology can be employed to augment manufacturing um, as as opposed to replacing personnel. Um, and there are some very interesting opportunities there, for example, in um, technology and training, where at, at a supervision level, for example, one can introduce technology to train um, a workforce where there's perhaps um, lack in certain skills. Mm. Um, or uh, what are the so-called dull, dirty, dangerous jobs that are being currently performed by um, people that could rather be performed by <coughs> robots and in so doing enhance the output of a manufacturing plant and still employ people. Yeah. So, um, and Germany, for example, is often noted, quoted that one and a half million jobs are going to be lost in manufacturing as a result of the industrial revolution, but another one and a half million jobs are going to be needed to be created in a different skill set in manufacturing. So it's a case of managing and anticipating and working towards that. Of course, uh, we've got to put a focus on uh, future-ready curricula uh, at that training level as well. Yvonne, how do policymakers consider industrialization 
as a way to create employment opportunities for these new labor market entrants? I think uh, the rest of the continent in particular is at a different stage in terms of looking at education um, because they're still trying to deal with um, uh, getting children through the school system. Literacy yeah. rates are only picking up now for us to be uh, even competitive with the rest of the developing world. Um, I think the challenge, in my view, that uh, policymakers face is trying to ensure that um, uh, they have policy in place that doesn't allow for technology to displace labor, given the high unemployment rates. You just look at South Africa, Nigeria, unemployment is over 20%. And I think the challenge right now uh, for them is just to create um, any jobs at the low end, at agriculture level, low um, end of manufacturing, before even considering uh, the uh, te technology space. Um, but I think more importantly is if, the, if they are going to embrace it or if they've got corporates that they'd like to attract to their country who would like to bring through technology, I think it's up to government policy to ensure that um, those um, companies are labor absorbing and that it doesn't um, displace actual uh, jobs domestically. Jim, uh, what kind of shifts are you seeing in the kind <coughs> of skills you need and what role are you playing in, in that development? Um, from my experience in the uh, development of the assembly plant in Nigeria, um, we have found that we are able to attract the, the right quality of people to be able to train vocationally inside um, our assembly plant in Nigeria. So uh, there we, we feel that the, the quality of the people is there. Um, what we do have a concern with is that um, there's still some um, concerns in, in, in the African industrialization um, direction, in the efficiency or productivity of um, people in Africa. And there, <coughs> my opinion is um, that it's not because of any kind of um, attitude of any kind of nationalist attitude, let's say, of, of people, and it's easy to just say um, these people are lazy. That's not the answer. The, the problem is actually in the understanding of productivity and efficiency. Mm. And I think um, if we can actually train um, productivity and under, train and understand productivity and efficiency, I think we'll make some great strides. Yeah, that's uh, something that's easier said than done, I guess, because it's an, a cultural problem, as mm. you highlighted, Martin, <coughs> when we were chatting in the break, where inclusive growth has become mm. an imperative, though. How rife is the risk of, uh, you know, that inequality gap widening further as a result of industrialization, given some of the challenges mm. African countries face? Arguably, the, the structure of majority of countries and uh, of, of economies in sub-Saharan Africa have baked in inequality because they're resource-driven. Yeah. Resource-driven economies, the rents from resources typically are captured by a politically connected elite, and there's minimal trickle-down into broader society. So what you see in the manufacturing sector, industrial sector, you see sort of more the, an aspirational uh, embedded middle class arising from the bottom, i.e. Mm. formalization of jobs. For I don't know any country in the world that's developed, that's succeeded without industrializing first. Mm -hmm. So. I, is this industrialization 4.0 theme we discuss, is it, have the rules of development changed? I don't think so. The velocity of change certainly has, but the rules remain the same. We have to industrialize. That means we have to formalize. You can only formalize by building a manufacturing sector and starting somewhere, mm. i.e. an employed class of people getting a check every month, 12 or 13 checks a year. That's what you need. And when you have industrialized industrialized economies, then you start to see a service sector uh, you know, uh, emerge around that industrialized sector which which services which supports mm -hmm. and then it gains momentum of growth yeah. that's that's economic development 101 mm -hmm. and i'm afraid we we we, we may be putting the cart before the horse excuse the pun in some cases but we talk about industrialization 4.0 
yes, South Africa's kind of you know engaging with, with many of these real issues. We're having top-end world-class OEMs like Nissan, amongst many others, who who are thinking about this this velocity of change, industrialization, automation, tech, and training, etc. But for the majority of countries on the continent, industrialization 1.0. It's almost a 19th century type existence. How do we get that kick started? And that's why I'm quite a fan of Ethiopia, because mm -hmm. coming from a very low base, starting low, doing the basics, but in 10 years' time, those basics would have moved on. And Nigeria would start, or sorry, Ethiopia would start to sort of graduate and move up that manufacturing value curve. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ivan, you sorry, want to add? Sorry, if I may add, um, Marta was mentioning about uh, countries developing and believing that they need to industrialize uh, to, to develop. Uh, what's been interesting in, in terms of the structure of the African economies is how they've started off being agricultural based or agriculture mm -hmm. heavy. And what we're seeing following the rebasing of several countries, if you recall Nigeria in 2014, when the economy size almost doubled post rebasing, the structure of the economy also changed such that 50% of the economy became services based. What grew was yeah. services. Agriculture shrank, as you'd expect for country developing over time, but manufacturing you know, was nowhere, or basically stayed the same size. And what's been interesting is the debate whether should a, does a country necessarily have to go through manufacturing to develop, or can they leapfrog? Mm -hmm. And in, in my view, I think the biggest casualty of just moving from agriculture towards services has been employment, because manufacturing, I think, is the labor absorptive mm -hmm. sector. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason why we have such unemployment, in my view, in, um, uh, particularly with such a large young population, is because we're not growing the manufacturing sector. Well, Philippa can speak to that within the South African context quite easily. Absolutely. Um, we're all on the same page that manufacturing is the engine of growth for an economy. It's our greatest opportunity for job-rich, inclusive growth. Mm -hmm. um, manufacturing having the highest multipliers in terms of job creation because of the forward and backward linkages um, and you know the ancillary services that they need to support it. And exactly as, as Martin says, you know we can debunk Industry 4.0. Let's keep get the basics right, see how it can be augmented in terms of technology. And there's very practical things that can be done. We need to be competitive as manufacturers. We need to be trade savvy in order to broaden the market to which we um, export. And we need to, where we can, um, buy more locally, provided that um, manufacturers are competitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Gemma, I just want to get your take on something that Yvonne highlighted, and that's leapfrogging. Um, you know, if there's an up uh, upside that we should consider uh, when when it comes to this kind of slow uptake Africa has made in this regard, because leapfrogging directly into uh, cutting edge technologies, Africa can bypass an industrial phase which developed uh, countries, uh, you know, had to go through and kind of, um, you know, circumvent cumbersome technological uh, techno uh, technological uh, infrastructure that's become irrelevant very quickly. The, uh, the, the concern in Africa is. Um, what do we actually want to do there? Um, do we want to grow jobs and develop the, e the economies of those countries? Or do we actually want to just move manufacturing from the very well-developed manufacturing plants that we have in Europe and Asia and transplant them into Africa? Uh, my view on this is that if you <coughs> transplanted these very sophisticated plants from Europe and uh, Asia into Africa, mm -hmm. you're actually not going to achieve the inclusive growth that you're actually looking for. So what you've got to do is you've got to be able to find a mix um, between technology um, and um, somebody else mentioned earlier on the, the menial type tasks um, that are required in manufacturing medial and, and uh, dangerous tasks 
that can be done with high technology robots and that kind of thing. But there are many jobs which are still available inside upstream and downstream uh, manufacturing which require labor force. We should focus on those um, jobs to be able to be um, the drivers of inclusive growth in, in Africa. On that note, let's leave it there. We've run out of time. Thank you all for having joined me in conversation this evening. Of course, Sivan Mungo is with Renaissance Capital. Jim Dando is from Nissan, South Africa. Philippa Rodset from the Manufacturing Circle and Martin Davies from Deloitte as well. You can catch us same time, same place next week as we bring you what's made news headline and moved markets on the continent in the past month and the tone it sets for the year ahead. From me, Alicia Sekum, it's cheers for now.